Now, Paul knew he had heard from the Lord, and so he had no fear in submitting to others, even secular authorities. A key to this submission, or this kind of submission to authority, is a clear grasp of God's absolute divine sovereignty. This is what Paul appeals to in Romans chapter 13 when he writes, For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists the God that appointed them, or, or resists what God has appointed. And add a note, and consequently resists God himself. So then, our obedience to earthly authority ought to reflect the same genre as our obedience to Jesus. Now, we don't seek to get away with as much as we can with Jesus, do we? No, we have submission to him and a desire to obey him. We seek to do all that he wants and all that he commands, even when those commands are against the grain of our comfort or abilities. Similarly, when our attitude toward all earthly authority should coincide with that, should, we, should do what, we should not resist earthly authority even when those commands are against the grain of our comfort or abilities. Now, you may disagree with me, but I want you to watch. As you've already seen in a couple of previous messages, Paul is very respective and very submissive to earthly authorities. Zeal is not enough. However, zeal plus truth is a powerful combination. And you're going to see that repeated and emphasized several times in this message this morning. Notice then in Acts chapter 26, it says, Then King Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul said, stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. He said, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know that I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews, wherefore I beseech thee to hear me patiently. What's he doing here? What's he doing? What is Paul doing in that opening statement to King Agrippa? First of all, he is showing respect. Now, we may feel that the judges and rulers or whoever that we appear before, the secular authorities, we may feel that they are just absolutely corrupt and they've got no business judging us. But listen, folks, the Bible tells us that we are to show respect. And so Paul opens up his, his uh, defense before King Agrippa, showing respect. I consider myself fortunate to stand before you. Now, how do you think that, don't you think that impressed the king? <laughs> I, it would impress me if I was the king. Secondly, he said, he commended the king. He said, you are well acquainted with Jewish customs. I consider myself very fortunate to stand before you. In other words, I value your opinion, king. Secondly, I know that you have great knowledge and wisdom of these issues that I'm facing today concerning the way we worship and the Jewish customs and things. 
He goes on to say, Paul's defense before King Agrippa, his opening remarks, he says, I have lived according to the strictest sect of our religion. Paul said in other places, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. In other words, Paul is saying, there is no one who could question my devotion and my sincerity and my commitment to Judaism. Yeah, those who know me, he says, even in fact, all these people here that are accusing me, they've known me all my life. They watched me grow up. They watched me uh, grow into, into leadership in the Jewish movement. They know that I was zealous for the Jewish religion. He said, I'm on trial here today because I embrace the faith of our fathers, particularly, specifically, the resurrection from the dead. That is what Paul cites as the core issue of why the Jews so hate him and brought it, uh, accusations against him. That he taught that Christ rose from the dead and that Christ is the Messiah. He don't deal so much with Christ as the Messiah as he focuses on the issue of the resurrection from the dead. He don't want to muddle the issue before the king. He knows the king knows Judaism real well, but he knows that the king may not be that familiar with the teachings of Christianity. So he says, they are accusing me of teaching something false when in fact, I am teaching what the word of God says. He says, in fact, even what Moses taught. So then, he says this, O king, it is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raised the dead. Now, folks, you may say, well, Pastor Jim, that's, that's kind of passe. Everybody believes that. Yeah, but go, uh, go back just a hundred years or less and, and try teaching in the churches across this country the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What kind of a response do you think you'll get? I can tell you what you'll get. You'll get the left foot of fellowship. You'll get invited out. You'll get accused of heresy. You'll be accused of being a heretic. And yet we know now that the baptism in the Holy Spirit was there all along and it definitely is scriptural. And those who have embraced it, experienced it, definitely testify to the validity of it. 